text that we've seen from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The scripture says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Find a screen to read that with me, please. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Those of you that know me know that I use a tool called One Thing, and that this one thing sums up what we're going to be sharing in our points this morning. And we repeat this. It's like the chorus in a hymn. You sing a verse, then you go to the chorus. You go back to verse 2, then you sing the chorus again. Verse 3, you sing the chorus again. So it's a repeating phrase that sums up the general idea, the summary of the, of the message that I'm bringing this morning. So that if you didn't get anything else, you will get this. And you have a takeaway. You have a take home that will make uh, a difference, I think, in your life. The one thing for today is the heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. Consistent thoughts are the seeds. Find a screen, read it with me, please. Here we go. The heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. Consistent thoughts are the seeds. One more time like you really mean it. Come on. The heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. Consistent thoughts are are the seeds. Would you bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Gracious, mighty, powerful, good, wise, heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be in the words of my mouth and be in the ears of the people of God, those that are sitting here in this room, those that are watching live, those that will watch later on any of our venues, we ask you, Lord, that you would take these words, let the gospel and its comprehensive message that touches every area of our lives, let it, O oh God, just lay us open with him before whom we have to do. Thank you that, that you pour out your love and your affection and that you are a high priest who is moved, Lord, by the feelings and how you have sympathy for, and you have passion and compassion for your people and the struggles that we face. Let us arise in faith and turn our hearts to you. We lift up the words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when he said, pray this way, our Father, which art in heaven, pray with me, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. All of God's people said. Point number one this morning, we're talking about the power of thought. I want you to think with me. I want you to get an image in your mind of a greenhouse. You probably can visit J&J's plant house, owned and operated by a couple of young men. One is in our church, Jack Carver. And, um, or you might go over to one of the big box stores in Memphis to Home Depot or to Lowe's, and you notice that they're already putting a lot of plants out. The plants that are out there that you can buy if you grow vegetables in your garden or if you plant annuals or even perennials in your yard, those have already been prepared in a season prior to this one. They were seeds 
planted in soil that were kept in a greenhouse. They were kept in controlled temperature, even in the dead of winter. Even when we were having snowpocalypse, the plants that you will buy right now were already growing in a greenhouse. They were in a kind of an incubator. They were providing protection and regulated temperature and sunlight from from glassed-in greenhouses in order to provide a, a head start The tomatoes that we will all begin to enjoy out of our own gardens, usually by around the 4th of July, have actually been growing already right now. We will purchase those small plants and we'll put them in the ground and we will see 60, 70, 75 days and then we'll begin to see a crop of bigger boy, better boy, grape, cherry, whatever you like to grow. I I, I like a variety some heirloom tomatoes, those big old ugly ones that just taste amazing. Um, I, love, I love to grow things. I love this season. I, I like to get it out in there. I've got eight raised beds that are four by eight each and get my hands in the dirt and plant some things and actually start to see something happen as it grows progressively through stages from the seed in the ground, the rains that come, the sunshine that God provides, and then as it breaks the soil and the tiny little sprout that comes up through the ground and then you've got a stalk that begins to appear to give the scriptural reference that Jesus gave or the story he talked about, first the blade, then the, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And so he was talking about the progressive stages of the corn plant and he said that, that it's 30 and 60 and 100 fold in terms of fruit being produced. So you've got this idea of plants growing in a greenhouse and in a a stage of incubation. And and, and if you can grab that and come with me and think about how your mind is a greenhouse, it's an incubator. It's a garden that you have to actively plant seeds and you have to regularly pull weeds. Come on, somebody. Um, You do not have to be a victim of thoughts that cross your mind. You have control. You have You have charge. You have final say. You do not have to allow a thought to become predominant and begin to become a stronghold. When you think about something so much that it becomes a stronghold, then you have to uh, get the aid of someone else, uh, another believer that you can counsel with, utilization of the scripture, possibly a Christian counselor or a psychologist or maybe even a psychiatrist or you maybe might even need some pharmaceutical or medical uh, help uh, to, to be able to aid in something that has become an, a stronghold, an addictive pattern of behavior in one's thinking. It's important to guard our minds. And this is what is so interesting in the scripture is there's this overlap between heart and mind. They are they're intensely joined together, but they're not the same. Because there are things that I think in my mind rationally and logically, but my heart tells me it's something else. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I can look at circumstances and with my reasonable ability to think logically, I can say, you know, that's, that, that's bad. Nothing, that's, that's, nothing's going to change. But my heart knows the one who gave me the, the capacity to think those thoughts and I know that he has the power. My heart knows something that my mind can't connect with because my mind, my, my, my thoughts 
are, are, are looking, my, my logical ability and my thinking is I'm looking to empirical evidence, something that is outside that I can see. But my heart doesn't rely on what I can see. My, my, my thoughts basically say this. They say, let me see it, then I will believe it. But my heart says, no, I will believe it, and then I will manifest it, and then you can see it. And, and it's interesting because the Bible tells us right here, the power of thought, Proverbs 23, verse 7, says, for as he thinketh in his heart, forgive the King James, Another translation says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so there is this thinking ability in your heart. But your heart that the Bible's talking about is not your brain, which by the way is different from your mind. I believe your mind is centered in your brain. But I believe that there is what the scripture calls the mind of the spirit. And that is in the heart of man, not up here in the circulatory blood pump, but down here in your gut. How many of you ever had a gut feeling about something before? You know what I'm talking about when I say uh, the scripture calls that an inward witness. You just, you just know in your knower that you know that you know. And regardless of what anybody says or what it looks like, you just know something. And you know that no matter what circumstances tell you, God, his promise still stands. And even though you haven't seen it manifest in your life yet, you've got a word from the Lord. And you know that God has never failed you yet. It's important that we guard our thoughts. My, my sweet little Irish grandfather, who was 5'2", his name was J. Hugh Blake, and they called him Jake Blake in Marktree, Arkansas. And I thought he was just the smartest, old, little, short, fat, sweet guy who loved the Lord and loved the Holy Ghost, as granddad would say. And he said, you know, son, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can certainly keep him from building a nest in your hair. I said, that's the coolest thing. Hey, where do you old people come up with this stuff? And I thought that was an original Jake Blake-ism, but I found out he was actually quoting Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the 15th century, 16th century um, German monk who had a Holy Ghost revival and began to see that the just shall live by faith, and he began to preach that. And Martin Luther first said, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. What that saying is, all kinds of thoughts cross our minds, but what you allow to stay, you have to be deliberate and intentional and plant thoughts in your heart like seeds, and you have to regularly weed the garden. Look at your neighbor, I know through your mask, but say, weed your garden. Okay, because as, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me give you a principle. Our lives are moving in the direction of our dominant thoughts. Whatever you're thinking about, more times than not, that's the direction that your life is moving in. Maybe it's the purchase of a new car. Maybe it's popping the question to someone that you're interested in as a mate. Maybe it's breaking up. Maybe it's a baby that's on the way. Maybe it's a financial plan. Maybe it's a dream. 
You know, it, we don't always have to think of this, this in terms of sin. There's all kinds of wonderful, wonderful, amazing things that our minds can dwell on. Now, if there's a sin pattern, if there's something that's pulling at you and pursuing you, you have the choice. You can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you do not have to let it build a nest in your hair. If you let it build a nest, you may need some help from a brother or sister or someone that'll help you get rid of that stronghold in your thinking pattern. Somebody say amen. So we recognize as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Why? Because the heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. Consistent thoughts are the seeds. That brings me to point two. Because point number two is there is a heart-mouth connection. Why is this heart of man an incubator, a greenhouse for speech and action? Because consistent thoughts are the seeds that you're intentionally, deliberately planting. Because what you think is going to eventually come out right here. Come on, somebody. Look at the word of the Lord. This heart-mouth connection found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34, uh, 34b, says it this way. It says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. All right? Our, our original text was guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. It determines. There's some determination. What is in your heart first is going to set the path. King James says out of it are the issues of life. So your path on the direction that you're going in, what are you flowing out of is what's in your heart. And the scripture says as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are we dwelling on? Because our lives are headed in the direction of our dominant thoughts. Okay, you don't know what someone's thinking? Be quiet. Learn to listen. Learn to let someone else speak as you're getting to know someone. Eventually, folk let the guard down and they will reveal the contents of their hearts. Now, we're not looking for something bad. We're hopefully looking for something good. Sometimes along the way, you'll find some mixture. And let's just tell the truth. Everybody in this room's got a little bit of mixture in our hearts. Oh, pastor, you mean you do too? Absolutely. The only one who doesn't have mixture in his heart is Jesus. There's a little bit of mixture. And so we want to weed the bed and we want to plant the good seeds. It's crazy how you work to have the good stuff grow and the junk just grows on its own. And it's like it's got and been injected with miracle grow. It's fertilizer. These weeds just grow to outrageous proportions. We're going to go, okay, who's been running through here with the miracle grow? How I many know what I'm talking about? We got to weed the bed. So this is what the scripture says. I'm going to pull over here. I have it up on my iPad. I want to give you the context. We're, we just read Matthew 12, 37, and it says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Jesus is speaking to Pharisees. Now, this is the most strident religious group of people uh, at that particular time in history. They would be likened to the evangelicals, that evangelical wing of the church today, folk who want to make sure they got their doctrines right, want to make sure it's all about truth. And do you know that the sinners never gave Jesus a problem, but it was the Pharisees that gave Jesus the most problem. It was the religious folk. Do you know it wasn't the sinful people who killed Jesus? It was the religious folk that screamed crucify. So just remember when you get up a full head of steam, and all the divisiveness that is going on in our nation right now, don't let 
a pharisaical spirit come over you because Jesus says a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. King James says he called them a brood of vipers. It's one thing to be a snake. It's something else to be a poisonous one. Come on, somebody. You brood of vipers, how could evil men like you, he's talking to the Pharisees, the most religious group on the planet right there in Israel. It's like, it's like the, the, the conservative church today. It's the same thing. And we've got to be, guard our hearts to not get in the same spirit the Pharisees were in. He says, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. King James says, by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Everybody say, words are important. All right, now I want you to see this this morning because this is a critical understanding. The subject of our speech is an indication of the contents of our hearts. Say that with me. The subject of our speech is a, an indication of the contents of our hearts. You get around somebody sometime and they're just spouting off vile, malicious, hatred, racist, bigoted, classist, condemning people, judgment all the time, and then they want to wave a banner saying, Jesus saves, get up out of my face. I mean, you know, words are important. We need to not only have the words of Jesus on our lips, we need to have the spirit of Jesus in our hearts. I'm not getting enough amens this morning. This is good. I'm preaching real good. Help me a little bit today. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, verse 11, the King James says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Another translation says, Your word have I treasured in my heart. Treasured heart thoughts are thoughts that we, we guard because we know how important they are. They're critical. It's, it's not truth before love, but it's truth that is in marinated, dipped in, baptized in love. Love. I want to tell you, if I'm going to err on one side or the other, I'm going to err on the side of grace and not on legalism. I'm going to err on the side of love. Come on, somebody. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, by how good your doctrines are, you will, we will know that you're my disciples. He said, by your love one to another shall men know that you are my disciples. Come on, is there a little bit of love in the house today? Come on, help me. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. And this heart-mouth connection is so critical because Paul the Apostle grabbed a hold of this and it was from the psalmist. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. And he gives us that in Romans chapter 10, also in the book of 2 Corinthians. And he, he, he says it this way. He says, I believe, therefore I speak. Romans chapter 10 says, if you believe in your heart, it says, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confess, speak with your mouth, believe in your heart. Say it with me. Believe in your heart, say with your mouth. 
Come on, do one more time. Believe in your heart. Say it with your mouth. So you've got the thought that's been incubated as a seed, and then it begins to be the fruit of your lips. You start speaking words of faith. You believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life. The Bible goes on to say in verse 10, Romans 10, verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with my heart I believe and Jesus receives me and he makes me, puts me in right standing with him and the Father. I am now called righteous because of what Jesus has done. Not by my own deeds, but by his finished work. Somebody say amen. But it's not just believing, but it's speaking it out of my mouth. That's why I get you to say things because it's important that you understand it and hear. You hear with the ear in the middle of your heart and then you speak with your mouth because there's this heart-mouth connection. Are you getting anything out of this? One thing, the heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. Consistent thoughts are the seeds. Point number three, and I'm finished this morning. We must do, not only think and speak, but we must do. Do with all of our hearts. Do with all of our hearts. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says it this way. It says, whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with what? All your heart. Come on, this is whole heart. This is not half-hearted devotion. This is not quarter heart. This is not one-seventh of my heart on Sunday. I give a little bit of my heart to God. This is, this is not just a piece of my heart. This is with all of my heart. Lord, I worship you. That's what the psalmist said. With my whole heart, I will praise you. Do whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. You go, to, you go to work and you've got a boss that you're not fond of. Quit, get his, get his or her picture, her, his or her image out of your head and put the image of Jesus there and start saying, I'm not doing this for that mean person. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm working for the Lord. This is the current work-life relationship that God is using to bless me with a paycheck to be able to provide for myself and for my family. Now, I want to honor the avenue that God has given me. God, I ask you for a better one, for a raise, for a promotion, for an increase. But right now, I'm not going to be mad at this one looking for the next one. I'm going to honor this one because out of that principle, I know that if I work at it with all of my heart, that you will honor the spirit in which I'm doing things you will honor the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm honoring this person that is over me, this person who owns this business, who risk unknowable amounts of capital to build this company so that I can have a job. That person's the one that may not sleep tonight because the economy has been upside down in a mess. Now, I'm going to say something. This isn't political. I don't know, don't know. Really, I don't even care what you think about the stimulus package. It's coming. $1,400 check for every person in this room that makes a certain amount of money. I think they said 90% of the population. Let me just say this to you. Our economy needs to be stimulated. Your church needs to be stimulated. I, there's no question for me. I won't only tithe on mine when it comes, but I will give above that 
because that's what I do all the time. I will give out of the blessing and the abundance because I sow seed. And whatever I do, I do it to the glory of God. Well, pastor, I'm so far behind. You know what? I understand that. There's nothing legalistic about 10%. It's just a number. You know what? You got to pay the rent. You got some bills that are behind. Put something in the plate, even if it's just a George Washington, even if it's just a dollar. And honor God and give because the scripture says it shall be given unto you. Everybody say, stimulate the church too. That's the free part. It wasn't even in my message. I just did it like, boom, it crossed my mind. I said, I'm going to let that one build a nest right there. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, this passage of scripture was written in a time in a culture where slavery was present. Now, biblical slavery is nowhere near what the Atlantic slave trade and the American institution of slavery were. It's two entirely, they're worlds apart. Biblical slavery was basically uh, indentured servitude. Someone couldn't pay their bills and they sold their time to a wealthy person usually no more for seven year, than seven years because that was the limit in Scripture. And then you had to be released. And so you sold yourself, your time, you, and to a person or to a company or to an owner of something in order to be able to, uh, to be sustained, have food on your table, raise your children, pay your bills. It wasn't this ripping families apart, going to the west coast of Africa the way the transatlantic slave trade was. That to use the slave passages in Scripture and justify that was a sin from the, outs, from the outset, from the start. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. The Christianity that preached that was not of God. You, can't, you can twist Scripture and make it say anything you want to. This idea, when he, Paul is writing, he's talking about these folks who are voluntarily in a place of someone helping them out, they're they're indentured servants. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Now, the nearest thing we can relate this to today is our employer, the people that you're in a contract with to provide a service, to do a job, to sell a product, to move a product, whatever your, your, your vocation is, whatever it is that you're doing, but then they provide you with a medium of exchange called money so that you can trade that for goods and services and live and grow your children and put shoes when baby needs some shoes. Come on, somebody, say amen. So he says, whatever you do, do it sincerely out of reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly. I want to get this in context. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving, capital M, Jesus is our master. And we have willingly given ourselves to be slaves of righteousness. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing this? He says, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done for God has no favorites. Isn't that good? God does not show favoritism. What he's done for others, he will do for you. With arms wide open, the scripture says. It is no secret what God can do. He used to sing that song as a little kid. All we have to do is believe it in our heart and speak it with our mouth. Why? Because the heart of man is an incubator for speech and action. 
Consistent thoughts are the seed. So I would ask you this morning, my last question as I close this message, what are you treasuring in your heart? What are you treasuring? What is your dominant thought pattern? What are you moving toward? Where's the direction your life is moving? The scripture says, Jesus said in the gospels, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where, what, where are you investing your time? Where's your money going? Where is your love and your affection being given? Because that's what you treasure. You, you want to treasure the word of God. You want to treasure your spouse. You want to treasure your children. You want to treasure the things that count, the things that have meaning, the things that you would be willing to lay your life down for. There are relationships in this room. We're a family. We're a spiritual family of God. And I treasure you. We need to treasure each other. We, we've been blessed having been in a facility for 20-something years that was held together because the termites were holding each other's wings. We don't have that problem anymore. We're in a beautiful facility. We've come up through a year of a pandemic and we've never had to lay anybody off and we've not been laid on anything and God is good and that's because you've been faithful. And you do treasure the house of God. I would just ask one little area that we need some help in is, is we need some folks to treasure a little bit of time and help us out on some serve teams. Sign up. Just while you're here, give us one Sunday a month where you'll help out and be an usher or be a serve person. Be a, be a greeter. Maybe help us in the children's ministry or work the nursery. When we go back to two services, it'll be super easy to be able to worship in one and then serve in the other. Won't that be cool? That'd be great. Oh, well, that means I'd be at church for three hours. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You'll go to a ball game. You'll sit in a stinking deer blind eight hours waiting on nothing to show up. You can't come help me in the house of God to reap the harvest of the Delta for a couple hours. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Pastor, you were sweet a minute ago, but something's done come down over you. I don't like it. Don't like that look on your face. I'm just kidding, but I'm not. I need your help. Please, hear the word of the Lord. What are you treasuring in your heart? Let's treasure the Lord. Let's treasure the things of God. Let's treasure our families and our relationships and the things that money can't buy, the things that a stimulus check won't cover things that the enemy can't steal. I love the Lord this morning. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, watching this morning online, sometime in the future, you're sitting in this room live right now with me. I want you to know that there is a powerful connection between what's in your heart and what you say comes out of your mouth because it will eventually manifest in what you do with your life. Our thoughts our thoughts literally are leading our lives in the direction of, our lives are going in the direction and the path of the dominant thoughts that we have. Guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Bow your hearts with me please this morning for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this series. Thank you for these amazing people that you have blessed me and this team with to be able to serve. We treasure them, we love them. Lord, we love you and we ask you today to help us as we focus our hearts and our attention on the things of God. Help us to rise above fear. Lord, we're grateful that we're, we see a light at the end of the tunnel, that literally within a few short months that, that, that things this, this can be predominantly, mostly cleared out of our way and our lives can begin to approach some degree of normalcy. 
And we, in this moment, we ask you, Lord, to, to search our hearts. Help us, O oh Lord, to see the things that we need to fertilize and plant, the things that we need to weed and pull to get out of our thinking. God, I pray that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that has never crossed the line of faith, that the gospel gives us that promise. Your promise still stands and your faithfulness is great. That if we believe in our hearts, this Jesus, that he's Lord of our lives, and we speak it with our mouths, the scripture says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hearts bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If there's anything in this message today that has resonated with you and you would say, Pastor, pray for me right now. I need a fresh start. Or Pastor, pray for me. I've never crossed the line of faith. Anything at all. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning. There's one right there. Yes, there's another one. Let's pray right now. Everybody, lift your voices and say these words with me. Father, thank you for this word. I receive. My heart is encouraged. I ask you in Jesus' name to change my heart. I lean into you. I turn from my past and I turn to you in faith. And I say, Jesus, save me. I trust you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah.